before we start this episode of Study with Steph, I wanted to make a brief announcement. Um, we have been putting our heads together over here at how to do a good giveaway for Study with Steph for all of you who have hung on this far. Um, and we are giving away 50 Study with Steph branded t-shirts, which is really exciting. So here is how you get in on that. If you are interested, there will be a form linked in the description if you are watching this or listening to this on ravepubs.com. And all I need you to do is click on the form, fill out that information, and I will let you know if you have a shirt coming your way. So thank you so much for listening. Please keep doing it. Um, please study with me so that I have some more motivation to keep doing this. And um, I hope to see you all at Infocom. So uh, without further ado, here is the episode on control systems, and uh, I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Study with Steph. Uh, in each episode, I am studying a chapter of the CTS hand guide because here's a surprise. I am trying to get my CTS. And here's another surprise. It's very hard. So I invite a subject matter expert with me uh, for every episode. And today's episode I have with me Steve Greenblatt. He is the president and founder of Control Concepts. And it is a company that specializes in control systems, which makes the control systems portion of the test the perfect test or perfect portion to have him on and be a guest. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. I hope that I'll be able to help. And this is certainly an area that I can speak on. And I wish that it was <laughs> a bigger part of the test, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I, when I like got to this chapter, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think I know anyone off the top of my head who like hasn't already been a guest because like Hope Roth was my last guest and she knows a lot about this as well. So um, I put out a call to LinkedIn and one of my LinkedIn buddies was like, ah, oh, he'd be great. Have him. So yeah, I figured we could just jump right in. Um, so at the most basic level, if I am just asking, like when we say a control system, like what do we, what do we mean? And it's both most basic form. What is, what do those words mean? Like many things in in AV and in technology, it has different meanings to different people, and and it's different the way our industry speaks about it, and the way other industries may speak about it. Control system is actually something that's used in 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 manufacturing as well, and so there's there's many different control system ideas. But for from an AV perspective, the way I look at it, and maybe I'm glorifying it because it's so so near and dear to me but it's to me it's it's the brains uh, of an integrated AV system so you have all of your different components you have your your displays and you have your inputs and you have your audio and your speakers and the con the control system is what sits in the middle of it and talks to everything and and what it that it's actually the part that most people really appreciate when it comes to the hardware because they interact with it. The control system not only involves some type of a CPU, which is a computer that holds programming and talks different ways to different pieces of equipment, but it also supports the user interface, which is the part that most people really appreciate. And that's really where the user experience comes in. And that's a big part of what we do these days. Gotcha. 
So when we talk about a control system, like what can it do? Like it can do a lot of different things and it can be for a simple solution or it can be for a really complicated solution. So how do we classify all the things that are possible that it can do? The that answer I I, I would say is uh, in broadest form it can do just about anything, but what it has but but it, it needs to be designed that way, and it depends on the equipment that you're working with. Um, the the programming is what actually makes is the customized part of it, and what is what makes it do what it, it needs to do, and different manufacturers support different functionality and different operations within their programmed and sometimes you'll hear a configured solution. Uh, but the, the whole idea is, is that if, if you, if a user has a need, you use the a control system to satisfy it. And based on a combination of the equipment that you select, the design of your system, and then the programming that supports it, that is how you have this, the control system serves a solution and, and actually addresses what a user is looking for. Um, but, but in general, it, it, it can do one thing. It can do a combination of things. And a lot of times, the whole idea of it is to provide simplicity and specificity so that you're not giving the user too many things to choose from. You're just giving them what they need. Got you. So how the study guide kind of describes it is thinking of a function versus a program. Um, and I just kind of need some help, like understanding yeah. the difference between the two, how it kind of explains it is like a function is like one action, but then a program is kind of thought of like as a chain of commands and a chain of functions in a way. Is that like the best way to think about that? Or is there kind of an easier way to get your mind around it? What what you just described can be said in many different terms. One way <laughs> yeah. is that that you could call it you're you're providing direct functionality. So I press a button and something happens, and that's that's one thing that happens. So if I press a button on the wall, it turns my lights on. That and every time you press it, it's going to turn the lights on. But you may have another another button that you program to do a sequence of things, and and that can could be that you turn the lights on and you uh, are going to start a, a presentation. Uh, you may adjust your volume level. You may uh, turn on a display and 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 maybe route uh, display your laptop on a screen. So that would be that sequence of events. Sometimes it's called a macro. Sometimes it's, it, it could also be looked at as that's where that's also automation. So it's direct functionality is, is one button to one function. Whereas the, the sequence is, or the program, as you mentioned, it is a one button to many steps. Okay. That makes sense to me. So now let's talk about components and interfaces. So the primary component, they say they, it's always called the central processing unit. And that I've heard of that. I know just by like being a person who's lived in a world that like has a lot of technology in it. Um, but when we think about it in the context of AV, like 
when we think of a CPU, that's just like the main controlling system that talks to all the rest, or is that not the way to think yes, about it? Yes. So, okay. so, so every, almost every system has is a collection of boxes and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the AV industry gets the classic get little, little black bit. boxes. Yes. So, so the CPU is the control system box and all, and, and that's, that's where all of the, the devices get wired to. Okay. So it houses the program. So mm-hmm. that's where, when you, and, and it also, so it speaks to the, maybe a touch panel or a keypad, which would be the user interface side. And then it also talks to the third party devices. So that could be uh, a screen or a projector or a, an audio DSP uh, or a, a, a video conferencing system. Um, so the, the CPUs, and I know that part of what we'll also discuss is different control methods. The, that actually is where the, the connections go from the device to the CPU to, to satisfy those control needs. Okay, cool. And when, it's, when it comes to controlling multiple devices, like across like a long distance or something, there are like different configurations that make this happen. So there's like the book talks about like distributed intelligence and distributed processing and edge processing. Can you help me kind of understand the difference between those three? The, the main CPU has, um, is, is what talks to the devices, but the devices themselves may have programs in them too. So something like an audio DSP that you would use to, uh, to, to control volume in a room or to do conference, uh, audio conferencing, let's say, that too has its own programming in it. So the, the control CPU needs to speak to that audio DSP in the manner that they are both set up for. So they both have a certain amount of intelligence in them and they're both set up in a custom way. And then they're, they're tied together through whatever language is established and, and okay. certain what they call programming hooks. It's uh, the, the different parameters that get adjusted. I hope okay. if that helps. Yeah, for sure. So then it, when it comes to control signals, this has to do with the way they communicate the sequence of actions that they each need to do, correct? Yes, and and they're they're determined by the the type the device what what that third party device supports. So, okay, a, like a, a DVD player. Many times that would be an IR control device if it has a remote control that we're all used to seeing. Um, but it also might have other methods like a, a network connect connection and Ethernet control or what's an RS two thirty two, which is a a, a nine pin connector. And the, the different control methods are based on what the device is capable of supporting, but it also has to do with the pros and cons of using one method versus another. Okay. So do, are there ways that like, the, can, do they go to in different directions or is it always like a bi-directional type of communication? Well, so an, an IR device is always one way. Okay. And, and so, it, and a good way of knowing that is that when you, 
when you turn your when, when you press a button on your remote control if you are, are at home in front of your TV and um, and uh, you you don't get any response back other than right. seeing the TV change uh, the but but if you're going to go into a more sophisticated control method those have uh, they they're they're uh, what's called feedback so you you send a command and the and the device will respond to it okay that makes more sense. And, and it does depend, the, it, without getting too technical or in the weeds, it depends on what that device does. Okay. So each one has its own, what's called API, which, mm -hmm. which is application programming interface. And it's, it's, it's the commands that it supports. And okay. the programmer would need to, to interpret that and know how to put that in their program. So going back to like the types of control systems, like what would you say the main ones are or like the most common or the ones that like would maybe be most likely to show up on the exam? From a ma manufacturer, like a brand standpoint or, or a usage standpoint? Usage probably. Um, the, so you would have a control the the in in mo most integrated systems where you're where you're using a collection of equipment in mm -hmm. somehow you need to be able to make it easy to use so so one way of doing it is you press all the buttons manually and right. and what but 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 we we know that that is per, presents uh, complexity and also uh, opportunities for errors if you don't uh, then, remember the right sequence of buttons, yeah, and, and or or you're just not technically capable, or it's just because it's a burden. Uh, so so then you by putting in a control system, you simplify that. It's similar also to if you have a bunch of remotes on your coffee table and you want to condense that, so you just have one remote. Yeah. That that also is another form of a control system. Um, it, but it, you would see them very commonly in a classroom at a at a, a, a lectern. You would see them uh, at a co conference room or boardroom table. Uh, you would also see them in in um, different smart homes as well. So uh, the the uh, what what is uh, also the case too is that we're we're starting to see some that are touchless. So mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know that it has a control system there, but you might walk into a room and plug in a laptop and then things happen for you. So the, the, that's another version or another application where you would see a control system. Got you. So when you talked to me a little bit about IR control and you said that like that's the most, in one of the most basic forms, that's a remote control controlling a TV because it's like very basic. It's a one-way communication. Um, contact closure control like its definition looked very similar to me where it's either like on off like what how do i like what's a useful way for me to not get that confused with ir okay well ir is um is a over the air um method so mm -hmm. um you use your remote and if you're not pointing your remote at the right place the it may not work Whereas yeah. a contact closure is a hardwired connection, and even without a remote, without a control system, if you take mm -hmm. the two wires and put them together, you're you're making that contact as as def defined by contact closure, and you should see something happen. So sometimes that might be lowering a screen, sometimes that might be lowering a lift. Okay, sometimes it's it, manual. 
it, very it's it's a lot more mechanical i think is, okay is a that's the word i was looking at for it. yes yeah. okay awesome and, and it, it also simulates a switch so you know it it you know you turn your lights on it's one way and you turn your lights off it's another way there, there, there are two options yeah it could yes and with ir there's more options than just on or off there's changing the input doing this right Okay. And the way that works is that each manufacturer has codes for the different functions that they use, and you capture those codes and put them into your program. Okay. Got you. And then with variable voltage control, what is that? So that's not something, honestly, that you see very often, quite, okay. you know, to, to be, to be uh, frank. Um, what, what you might see that for is for a temperature sensor. So if you have, um, if, if you're trying to, to get a reading of a temperature in a room, you need to, it wouldn't be just an on or an off. It, it would be a certain, a certain amount. And that okay. amount would correspond to a voltage that you would bring into your system. Okay, cool. And when it comes to serial digital control, you brought that up earlier when you were talking about uh, an RS-232, but in the book, it talks about knowing the difference between RS-232, RS-422, RS-485, and this is just to me like a jumble of numbers. Um, do you have any advice for helping me keep those straight? Yes, definitely. And, and you're, you're not alone. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've been doing this for a long time, but when I first started, I had no idea what, what any of this meant, quite honestly. And I went to school <laughs> for engineering. So I'm just telling you that it, it's, it, it's, it's uh, just terminology, honestly, that, that in okay. the AV industry, we don't have to know all of the electrical properties of it, whereas maybe other industries do, but there, there are different ways to communicate and they have to do with the wiring uh, and the voltages used, as well as the distance that can be run. So RS-232, the main thing to understand is that it's 50 feet or less, and it's point to point. So okay. it's so you, you, you have a cable that usually has two connectors, one on each side. One goes to the control system, the other goes to the device, and at most it goes 50 feet. RS-422 allows you to go considerably longer. If I'm going to tell you off the top of my head, it's it's probably a couple hundred feet. Um, uh, let me look. Uh, this says 1,200 meters. Oh, so it's quite a distance. So probably like like 3,600 feet or something yeah. in that nature. Yeah. yeah. 3,600, 4,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite, so it's I, quite more than 50. <laughs> quite, quite, quite more, quite more. So... <laughs> And, but but you can't you, you although even though a control system may support RS four twenty two the device itself has to as well as well okay. so we don't necessarily have say over which method you use however you may pick equipment that if you have to go further needs mm -hmm. to support RS four twenty two okay um it, is it kind of like when you buy a four K TV but if you don't have a 4K supported HDMI and a 4K supported Apple TV, and then the content in 4K TV, you're not going to have 4K. It's kind of like similar to where all the pieces have to match. That's correct. That's okay. correct. The, the wiring has to match and, and the two ends have to have to support it. Okay. And, and RS-45 and unless you're is the, going one yeah. step further. It, and that'll, that also supports multi-point, so you can chain devices together. Okay. So, and then unless you're the designer, 
you don't really get to pick what gets used on a project. You kind of more show up and you're like, hey, this is what's being used. Make sure that everything you're coming with supports this because it's already designed. This is how it is. Just like make sure that everything you're bringing supports the design. Yes, we, we, okay. we um, as a programmer, will help to think through the system. We'll look at a design. We, we may make some comments or questions or, or suggestions, but yes, you're correct. It, it, there, there is only a certain amount of wiggle room that we'll have to, even though people think you could fix everything in programming, it, there still are hard, hardware limitations that can't always be overcome. Okay. And then RS-485, which, what is this? What is that one? So, so that, that also is a longer distance. And, it, and the, the other part about that is that allows you to connect devices together. So um, one device would connect to the next device. There, they would be daisy chained. Uh, okay. It gives you that opportunity to do that. And, and the devices are addressed. So it, it, it provides the ability to wire a lot easier so you don't have to wire everything back to the, to the CPU. Okay, uh, but whereas again, with 422, you do have to wire everything back to the CPU, okay. That's correct, that's correct. And, and the, the difference, it, it, they're also, they're different wiring and they also have to be supported. Okay, um, so in an install, like what would be an instance where you, where RS-485 would be used? Like what kind of system would that look like? Well, one of the things that's funny is that um, the control systems themselves, they, they support RS-485 back in the day to connect their, their devices together. So the touch panel would connect back to the, to, to the CPU with RS-485 because of the flexibility of it. But the, um, there are, I, I don't know if I could think of a device off the top of my head that would be RS-485 um, in particular. It would more be something that, uh, so I think a camera may be a good example of, because um, you may have uh, a, a collection of cameras in a system and they would, can, they would daisy chain to each other so that you can control the different ones all from, from one connection back to the CPU. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then the last one it talks about is USB. And I know what that is in terms of like it being a connection, but I did not think of it in terms of it being a form of digital control. Um, so I don't know if it's thinking of it in a new context or, or what. Um, so the, the ability to control something over USB is not something that's normally programmed, but, but it, it is included within the system. So I, I can't think of a way that we have controlled something per se over, over USB, but it's definitely gets switched or it's part of talking to a processor. So you would connect your laptop to the to the to the CPU to program it with an USB cable, because mm -hmm. um, a USB is is pretty limit pretty distance limited, right? Like you can't put that over four thousand feet, like no, you could. Not, not even not even fifty that easily. Yeah, I, I think, think it's like five, it's like sixteen feet or something. Yeah. Um, but it talks about that there are USB to Ethernet adapter systems that allow it to be like extended to the internet. 
and that's more that's like why it's included in the chapter yeah i i don't know how that would figure into control it's kind of interesting um it, it's certainly a part of talking between computers but not necessarily something where you would talk to a device over usb okay. that at least that i i've encountered okay that's all i need to know <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the other ones are much more of a common terminology okay Yes. when it comes to the control systems context. Um, so when it comes to radio frequency control, this is instead of devices communicating via like a cable or something, this is communicating over radio waves. Yes, and m many times that is used when, you're, when you have a wireless touch panel. Okay. Uh, and, and that... So they would use an RF signal, and then from there went to Wi-Fi, um, where where you would connect your touch panel back to the CPU, so you can be more portable with it. Mm -hmm. And then Bluetooth is like the one that's like very common. Um, it talks about that being under RF control, um, and then Zigbee as well. Um, I don't know much about Zigbee as like. A form of wireless communication. I know. I know that there's a Zigbee Alliance. Yes. Um, but this is just something that uses a mesh network, right? I I um I honestly had to look that up because I, I all I know of it as as the way you would have a, a touch panel talk to a CPU, but it but it does um it it, it is a um a low power, so it's a small distance and it's mm -hmm. uh. I think that the one of the things that's good about it is that it's uh, it, it it probably has uh, more reliability because it's low powered and and close. Okay, um, mo what what's most common that we're going to see in like a, a Wi-Fi one of these devices is Wi-Fi. Okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That's like the main one because um, that's I, that's what we have in our conference room. So I was like assuming that that's what most people have in their conference rooms too. Yeah, it, the, these others are, are um, I think, very uh, purpose-driven. So when you can't have Wi-Fi, then you would put in Zigbee or Bluetooth because of one reason or another. Maybe it's a okay. secure, more secure environment or, or there's interference. So it, it just presents different options. Okay, um, for but, when you're uh, in kind of a tight spot and if Wi-Fi were your only option and that didn't work, you're permitted more options. And if you think about it, a lot of people are using these days iPads to control their system, and those work on Wi-Fi um, very commonly. So that that's one of the reasons to remember. I think that Wi-Fi is the the most prevalent. Okay, and when it comes to like networked control systems, um, this is communicating over Ethernet. Yes. So that so this is what you're going to see a lot more often and is, is really what modern control systems are doing. And kind of going okay. back to your, your question before about being able to, to uh, cover more of a distance and having um, more devices across, of, across the internet or across an enterprise. It, it, now, nowadays, devices are become, have become IT, IT appliances. So everything has an ethernet connection and those connections may be used for control or they may be used for audio or video as well. Okay. 
So this is kind of an example of like the AVIT convergence that we talk a lot about in our industry. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the argument that is AVIT or are they two completely separate things? This is something where they kind of come together. Absolutely. And and okay. we the the thing to know is that we're when when we're on a corporate network or an enterprise mm -hmm. network, we have to make sure that we're playing by the rules that somebody else sets. We can't necessarily set them and we have to be uh, responsible for security and we have to be responsible for um, making sure that we're being disclosing what we're putting on somebody else's network. Okay, got you. Um, so as a person who has a CTS um, and I'm a person who's trying to get a CTS, what are some general pieces of advice that you have for me while I'm studying to take this test? Uh, any study methods, study tips, uh, anything you got, I'll take them. <laughs> it's been a long time, unfortunately for me. I, I took it, I, I think, 15, 16 years ago, which I'm very proud of, but, it, but it, I think it'd be, it was a little bit different then. Um, what, I, what I've heard from a lot of people is, is that you have to understand to look to know what answers that uh, they're expecting of you. So okay. there, there are, so doing practice tests and being able to see as many questions as you can and, and understanding how the questions, how, how the answers are, are worded is very important. And I, even in us speaking about this uh, prior to recording, we talked about a couple of questions and one of them I had to really sit down and look at to try to yeah. understand what was the answer that they were looking for. Yeah, which question was that again? Did we look that, at together? That was the the um, function versus the program and-, and Okay, uh, which and of the I following is I had to read through it a few a times. Program. Yeah, um, the, so the question in the study guide, uh, for those of you reading, we're in chapter eight, uh, at the end of the chapter where they have some practice questions for you. We're on question three, which was which of the following is more likely to be a function than a program? Um, the options are starting a video conference, playing a video, dimming the lights and starting a media player and setting volume levels. And it says that D is the answer. Setting volume levels is more likely to be a function than a program. And that was and because like, it was very direct. So the, all okay. the other ones required more things. So starting a video conference is vague. So what does that mean? It means you have to turn the computer on. It means that you have to set up the audio. It means you have to make sure your mics are working. It means you have to make sure it's playing out the speaker. Okay. And, so because and the third you have one, to... Sorry, it, was, it sounded like it was going to be the answer, but then they said dimming the lights and. So mm -hmm. right away you knew that that was a, a multiple okay. actions as well. And then playing a video is the only other one that I could possibly maybe get those mixed up because on its face, it looks like, oh, you hit play, but you also would have to turn your computer system on, pull up the program in which to play the video. So then that's why that couldn't be it. Okay. That's correct. That's correct. They're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to get you on that one. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying to think of a few other questions, like practice questions that you and I talked about that might, that were kind of difficult. Um, the, what it talks about, like things that can interfere with an IR control. Um, and a few of the examples it gave were quality of the device, strength of the power source, shadows and darkness, bright sunshine or fluorescent lighting. Um, 
would it be strength of the power source, do you think? It, I'm, they're they're asking know. which ones can, mm -hmm. can interfere. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the last one, the, the lighting and the Right, and the oh, yes. okay. The, oh, that's right, because radio waves are on the light spectrum. It, it could, um, because it, it could flood the sensor and then it won't mm -hmm. be able to see your, the, the IR um, remote working because of what, what's actually being, uh, it's already picking up. So. Oh, okay. Okay. The, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think those were all of the questions that I, I had for you. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add or anything you feel like I, I didn't really touch on in order to be prepared for it or uh, anything else that you had? I just thought of one control method that, that we didn't touch on, but it, it's not always that commonly used, but it's called okay. the digital input. And digital what, input. the reason that I bring it up is because nowadays we, we work with a lot more sensors that we, than we used to. So if you, you, you commonly see a motion sensor in a room and that gets wired to a digital input. And basically what happens is, is that if it detects motion, then the, it, you, you receive a, a positive signal, we, we would call a, a high signal an on, or, and if it's not detecting motion, then it would be a, a low signal or an off. Okay. But I, I think that that's something that is becoming a lot more prevalent these days where they, they, uh, somebody walks into a room and, and they're looking for things to trigger or a mm -hmm. room is empty and they want to automatically turn it off. Okay. Is that kind of how like people counters work, how they're setting those up in a lot of stores so that, uh, you know, they don't, they meet uh, COVID regulations that people are social distancing. Is that kind of how those work when another person walks in that triggers the on signal within the, okay that's correct uh, yes okay awesome i'm a type of person who needs like real world examples for of sure. everything so that i can remember what they do for sure um, but the, yeah no that's helpful the other thing that i'll mention and i'm not sure if it's going to be on the test but but there's uh, a lot of being that there's so many more of the of control systems out there in the world the manufacturer, the clients need to be able to have a, a method of managing them. So they okay. use the, the, uh, the, the different enterprise software to be able to have a dashboard to be, to say what their, see what their systems are doing. They want to know if they're, if they're on or off, or somebody is, uh, something is, is not working. Uh, they, so they would call that like a remote mo monitoring or remote management system. And, uh, I, I don't know if that's going to be covered on a test, but it's certainly a big part of what of what is uh, done these days in control systems. And different manufacturers often do offer different versions of these. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and usually, and and the other trick that I'll I'll just mention, and probably again not going to be on the test, but but the as much as there are. Um, competitive advantages to the different control system manufacturers. They're all, they all do the same thing. They just okay. do it in a different way. Each of them use the different control methods we discussed. Each of them have to be programmed or configured. Each of them talk to the devices in, in relatively the same manner. It's just what you're comfortable working with or what your client has and they like using or what your needs are in particular. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I mean, if you have one that's completely out of left field and different, if a integrator or someone knows how to 
set up and use one, um, then they might not know how to set up and use anything else. Um, so it does make sense that they are, are all at least sort of similar. Yes. And, and the, if you take the labels off, they're all doing the same thing. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, I feel that I understand this a lot better just because, um, yeah, like I said, it really helps me to have someone sit down with me and like give me real world, world examples because otherwise I feel like I'm just reading a lot of letters and numbers and it's hard for me to keep them all straight as someone who is not using them every day. Um, so I really appreciate it. Without a doubt. I, I admire what you're doing and I think it's a good example for others and I hope that this can help uh, you and, and as well as other people that are watching and listening. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today. Thanks for having me.